Pharmaceutical Technology presents the Drug Solutions Podcast, where the editors will chat with industry experts from across the pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical supply chain. Join us as experts share insights into your biggest questions, from the technologies to the strategies to regulations related to the development and manufacture of drug products. This is the Drug Solutions Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. I'm Meg Rivers, Senior Editor for Pharmaceutical Technology, Pharmaceutical Technology Europe, and Biopharm International. Without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to the editors who will share more about what you can expect in this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk about continuous manufacturing for oral solid dosage drugs. Continuous manufacturing is an advanced manufacturing technology that promises a lot of benefits like more flexibility and efficiency. We heard on a previous episode that this type of technology can possibly be used in reshoring or onshoring efforts in pharma manufacturing. Continuous manufacturing has been adopted by several pharma companies, the first in 2015, but it's been slow to be taken up by the broader pharmaceutical manufacturing community. And today we're going to look at some of the challenges in that area. I'm Jennifer Markarian, Manufacturing Reporter for Pharmaceutical Technology, Pharmaceutical Technology Europe, and Biopharm International. I'll be speaking with Lawrence DeBelder, Executive Consultant at Pharmatech Associates, a USP company. Lawrence worked at Janssen for many years, including eight years on their continuous manufacturing effort, and has been involved in many industry organizations and working groups dedicated to advancing continuous manufacturing for the pharmaceutical industry. Lawrence. What are some of the challenges or roadblocks to additional use of continuous manufacturing in the pharmaceutical industry? Well, the, the benefits for continuous manufacturing are clearer. So the, they are uh, very broad. There are many benefits uh, in uh, development, tech transfer, and in commercial manufacturing. But the, the, uh, the drivers for additional use, so on top of what, uh, what people already know, what is, what is stopping the pharmaceutical, continu- uh, the pharmaceutical industry to um, use more continuous manufacturing than they do today? I assume that is the question. I think that's, uh, that's a few things. One is uh, equipment cost is too high at this moment still. Um, very often in business cases, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the continuous manufacturing equipment needs to compete with existing batch equipment that very often is written off already. Uh, that's one. Second, it's not flexible enough. Uh, if you would be able to buy a continuous manufacturing line, knowing that you, you buy it for one product, but in a few years, there might be something else and you can just easily switch it over from one to the other. Uh, it would l- lower that impact of that investment cost, but uh, the equipment is not so flexible either. So the, uh, at this moment, continuous manufacturing equipment is not very modular uh, by nature. Um, it's it's uh, uh, unit operations are not interchangeable, and that would be very helpful, I think, uh, for additional use in uh, the industry today. If uh, unit operations would be interchangeable between different types of lines, for if uh, something changes in the future, if the better machines come up, or if uh, uh, machines that you already have, you want to bring them in into a continuous manufacturing line that you uh, that you run. Um, and to be able to get to there, 
the designs need to become modular, uh, interfaces needs to be standardized uh, in the future so that interchangeability of unit operations becomes easier. So that's, I think, uh, one thing. So more flexible and lower cost equipment. Second thing is uh, easier access to knowledge, experience and capability. Um, there is not so much experience in the industry today. There's only a few CMOs uh, out there that uh, that have continuous manufacturing lines. There's only one or two that have uh, actually filed the product on their lines. Uh, they're not. There's not too many consultants out there with real experience that can support uh, companies that uh, uh, that want to take this step. Um, there are a number of guidelines that are uh, mainly written by uh, the FDA and other health authorities. Um, there's a number of uh, standards and documents, but uh, uh, but not enough. Uh, there's not enough guidance documents that help you from A to Z to do uh, to 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 assist you in uh, doing everything that you want. And there's not enough um, lab support for models uh, that you want to develop for PAT tests that you need to to do for for exper to help you with uh, with experiments uh, in in the early phases. Um, so a, a general package of support in uh, in consultancy, in uh, in lab work, in uh, in guidance documents, uh, in uh, uh, and potentially CMOs even uh, would be very helpful as well. Are there any other challenges that you see um, that or or benefits that have yet to be realized, and and ways that you see the industry needing to get to get there? Beyond the beyond the ones that you that you've mentioned already, yeah, there's there's many things that that uh, can be done and improved, and there's many hurdles. Eh? So, um, the uh, to to be able to have a full fledged uh, uh, broad acceptance and uh, and implementation of continuous manufacturing, I think quite a few things will need to happen. First of all, time because it's just it's a very slow process. Uh, it's a uh, a lot of companies and people need to gain experience, which takes a long time. Um, that's one thing. Second thing is the all the uh, the business cases need to be in place. Uh, companies need to uh, realize that it makes sense to invest in continuous manufacturing equipment. Uh, need to put the money aside, and then the year after, when when uh, when the budget is uh, is released, they 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 have to invest, and then it takes uh, two years or so before the equipment is really qualified and uh, and can be used. And only then it starts to to start developing the first products, knowledge, uh, creating the knowledge, and uh, uh, and a few a few years later the uh, the first product might uh, might be filed. And it takes still years before you have an uh, an approved product uh, and uh, uh, before it, uh, it it really comes to the market. So it's a very slow process. So time will be a, an important factor. Uh, and um, there's many companies already that have equipment, um, especially in their uh, R&D departments, but more and more also in their commercial uh, network. Uh, so over time, we will see more and more coming of continuous manufacturing, especially in drug product, and bit by bit more also for drug substance, but maybe not end-to-end, -end, but for portions of, uh, uh, of the, um, the, the, the chemical processes, we will see this more and more. And then uh, another thing that would be needed, I think, is uh, a more global harmonization of the uh, of the requirements of the health authorities. Uh, the health authorities, many health authorities are very supportive today already, uh, but uh, many 
do not have experience or hardly any experience and it's not clear what the uh, requirements are for many of those other health authorities um, and that's i think an, a big hurdle for companies that that want to launch globally products uh, that uh, uh, do not well that 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 fear that uh, that they uh, can do an, uh, an an implementation in in many of the countries but then there's a few that say no you cannot do it like this or this or need a lot more data or even say you cannot do it in continuous manufacturing so that's uh, the global harmonization of the um, uh, of the requirements of the health authorities is something that would be helpful as well ichq 13 is a good step in the direction but not uh, uh, but that's only a limited amount of countries and also it's not a, an, uh, an overall uh, harmonization yet. It's just an agreement on a number of uh, aspects of it yet still. I know back in the beginning of talking about continuous manufacturing, it was said that, you know, um, getting to real-time release was sort of the goal, um, but that a lot of things had to happen um, in PAT and uh, feedback control and so on in order to get to that. Uh, do you have any thoughts on on where the industry is now? It's still kind of in process towards that. Have they made progress, or uh, still some of the same limitations just just being worked on? Yeah, maybe maybe first the clarification that real time release is is uh, it, it's a, uh, it's a term that covers quite a few things. Uh, so okay. you can for every uh, quality aspect that needs to be covered of your uh, final product. Uh, you can have a real-time release, or for a number of those, you can have a real-time release uh, uh, portion in there. Um, so you can uh, uh, you can do that for for uh, aspects like assay or or for um, uh, the the dissolution. Uh, but the dissolution is a very difficult one uh, because there's no inline test possible that directly measures dissolution. Uh, and normally you bring that to the lab, you do, you do a number of tests that take quite a, few quite a bit of time, and there's nothing fast that can inline immediately measure the solution of, uh, of your tablets. So to, to achieve that, uh, what uh, com some companies do that have achieved real-time release for the solution uh, is by uh, replacing that by a surrogate method. So inline measurements of things of which have been proven that they are one-on-one -on -one related to the dissolution, the dissolution of the product afterwards. So not directly, but indirectly measure, uh, measured. And that one-on-one -on -one link isn't just not there for every product. Uh, that's one. Second, uh, it takes a lot of data, experiments, and uh, 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 a lot of knowledge of your product before you can really prove that link. So that means it's uh, uh, it. it can cost a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of material before you have collected enough data to uh, show that uh, dissolution uh, uh, or to, to build that uh, uh, model that will help you for the real-time release for dissolution. That means that uh, many companies most likely will not do real-time release for dissolution because it's, it's not possible or because there is no business case for it. Uh, because the, the real-time real release for the solution, it will not help your quality, really. It will just help you reduce your time that you need to, uh, to release your product. And it will reduce the effort in the lab, so it, it reduces the costs. That's the, the, that's the two main reasons why you would do real-time release for the solution, for instance. Um, 
But if the business case is not there, it doesn't make sense to do it, right? So if, so if it's too costly, that, that will be dropped. But still, there's other uh, portions of real-time release that you can do for, uh, for ID, for uh, essay. Uh, these are things that need to be measured as well. And you can do them, uh, you can measure them most of the time directly in line. So that type of real-time release uh, very often is and will be done in the future uh, for your product as well. So uh, bottom line, I think that uh, companies are already doing real-time release for uh, uh, in continuous manufacturing for uh, typically for a number of the critical to quality attributes they call it then uh, uh, that uh, uh, that are linked to uh, to a product, uh, but unlikely that they will do it for all and. Um, and I think that will remain like that in the future as well. Can you speak to how the data from PAT, the process analytical technology, are being used for process control and what areas might need further improvement? So the evolution of the PAT uh, implementations uh, is something that we see in continuous manufacturing. Initially, uh, it was thought that it was the smartest to put PAT tools everywhere to measure as much as possible. Uh, and to, to, to try to uh, um, uh, be uh, redundant, for instance, if, uh, if one PAT tool would fail, you have another one somewhere else that can, uh, can measure something similar and like this, you still have the data. Uh, but over time, we see that uh, uh, a number of the pharma companies are evolving to, not, uh, to, to, minim to only uh, install the PAT tools for commercial manufacturing which are really needed uh, for the product. So they, they do risk assessments, risk, risk analysis to, uh, to see where is it really needed uh, to, for your uh, uh, control strategy and where is it not really needed. And only install it for commercial manufacturing there where it is really needed. Uh, because additional PAT tools mean additional models. They need to be created, cost a lot of uh, API to, to create them. Uh, but also you need to maintain them. And the maintenance of uh, PAT models is also cumbersome. And uh, uh, it, uh, it, it asks a lot of work and resources and, and it's scarce resources because that's uh, the type of experience and knowledge that is not spread around uh, uh, thick in the, uh, in the industry. So therefore uh, the, we see that that evolution is ebbing away a little bit from uh, uh, full-blown PAT everywhere to only where it's strictly necessary. Of course, within uh, development, PAT is very valuable and there, the more the better because it helps you collect data that you need to understand your process, that's something else. But in, in the uh, commercial manufacturing, we see that it's, uh, it first went up to do a lot more and now it's less again. The overall evolution that we see is that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, the whole industry is very enthusiastic um, but there is still a number of hurdles that is stopping the full industry to, to uh, embrace continuous manufacturing at full. And, uh, and the biggest reasons are what I explained. Uh, so it's, uh, it's the cost of equipment that needs to go down um, to help that. Luckily, there's a number of, uh, of uh, vendors. There's more and more vendors that are bringing equipment to the market. Uh, the realization that this equipment needs to be modular in kind and uh, that interfaces need to be uh, standardized and harmonized uh, to, to make unit operations interchangeable between different uh, brands and lines. Uh, it, that that uh, becomes more and more clear to vendors and to, uh, to the industry itself. Uh, so that's a good evolution. 
Um, we also see that that the equipment at this moment is not fully mature yet. Uh, there's quite a fit, uh, quite a bit of uh, things that need to be worked out further. Uh, we see that PAT tools uh, today uh, they are uh, not always capable of of uh, handling um, very low concentrations of API, which uh, is sometimes needed in in a, in a formulation. Uh, so accurate PAT measurements for low concentrations is something that is uh, that needs to be worked on further. Uh, PAT solutions for uh, in the drug substance for for different uh, uh, types of measurements in uh, in chemical processes is something that needs to be further worked on. Uh, feeders uh, are are one of the key components in a continuous manufacturing line. Uh, the working out of feeders that are accurate in dosing very low concentrations or in small amounts dosing uh, is something that uh, uh, that is uh, still a gap in the industry. Uh, working on it, but uh, uh, for instance, the dosing of magnesium stearate, which is typically something that is dosed right before you go tablet tableting, it's it's a, a, a lubricant that is added to uh, to to assure. And uh, a, a smooth tableting of your uh, of your powder. Um, the 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 consistency of those feeders is still not ideal yet, and and because of that, they they uh, well, it's it's something that stops lines regularly because uh, they go out of specification of uh, the amount that they are feeding, stops the line, you need to restart, uh, etc. So consistency uh, and and high accuracy of dosing low amounts of uh, powder, um, and then uh, yeah, in general the the, the software is uh, uh, is something that uh, needs to be improved overall. So the control software of continuous manufacturing lines uh, would need to be modular of kind as well uh, as modular as possible, so that. Uh, uh, that means that if, uh, uh, if in, in a continuous manufacturing line uh, you want to add a feeder, you can just uh, you can just add a module in your software and you can get it up up and running, and that's it. That sounds that sounds logical that you would be able to do that, but it's if you didn't program that in from the beginning, today typically that doesn't work. So you it so it's it's not for, uh, the the software typically is not very flexible. Um, uh, and that's something that is uh, would be helpful in the future for uh, for all the lines that would uh, uh, come out there, so that uh, if things change, that it's relatively easy to adapt it to the changes that are coming. Thank you to our editors and experts for sharing their insight. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Drug Solutions Podcast with the Pharmaceutical Technology Editors. If you want to stay in touch with the Pharmaceutical Technology team, subscribe to this podcast as well as to our newsletters. When you sign up for our e-newsletters, you will be updated about future episodes of Drug Solutions, receive our magazines, learn about upcoming webinars, and hear about episodes of Drug Digest, which is a video series. Thank you to everyone for joining us for this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. We will see you next time.